Hello everyone and welcome back to a surprisingly sunny Melbourne boat show. Boy, we've got a big guest on right now. We have Andrew E.T. Eddinghausen. He's been kind enough to come in and join us and uh, it's really nice to have him in here. So welcome aboard, E.T. Yeah, thanks boys. Good to be on board. How are you finding the boat show so far? Um, yeah, well, we had uh, two beautiful days so far, so I'm not complaining at all. I think the weather might turn a little uglier, but uh, yeah, the first two days, it's it's been quite impressive because because there's been a lot of people actually coming along and calling up and saying g'day and checking out the boat and stuff that I've got down here. So no, it's been actually uh, really good. Yeah. Hey, hey, ET, tell us a little bit about your boat that you got on display at the show. Yeah, well, I've got a Surtees boat. It's a seven metre game fisher. It's... Uh, yeah, basically got all the all the bells and whistles. It's one of the – I've got to the stage now, I thought, right, everything I want on this boat, like every single thing I can think of that I need, I'll, I'll, I'll put on her. So, uh, yeah, this boat's got the works. It's got um, – you know, I'm fortunate I've got some great companies on board. Like like everyone these days, uh, you know, really important to have good, good associations with companies. We've got um, – you know, many many sponsors who sort of help us through. Uh, I think a lot of people sort of think that uh, the networks pay you, but um, yeah. yeah, it's completely <laughs> in reverse. Everyone gets a bit of a shock when I say, "Oh, you know, you're a hundred hundred plus thousand in the in the uh, in the in the red, basically, before you even kick off." So, have you got a bird radar in your boat? <laughs> a bird radar in the boat? He's talking about the halo. Uh I haven't. No, I haven't. Oh. Uh, <laughs> look out. Look out. <laughs> Joe's asking that because down here when we're tuna fishing, you're looking for the birds and Joe really wants a bird radar so he oh, can just okay. spot the birds. I've, I've got you now. Well, yeah. actually. well, it's not only the birds. It's also pinpointing the guys on the tuna sea. Because you <laughs> oh, can, that'd be handy. Yes. <laughs> you need a good radar for that one. You can be 40 k's in the wrong direction. But if you've got a bird radar and you know where the birds are. Well. Yeah. Well, i tell you what. Last year we were fishing um, Harvey Bay and... And uh, exactly the same sort of thing. The, I slipped the radar on because I thought, gosh, there's no birds around here. We need them to, you know, the, to really fire up the session. And about five k's away, there was this big mob of birds that came up on the on the Garmin. And boom, we headed straight over there. And thank for that Garmin. That, that we basically had uh, a great afternoon session. Spotted mackerel, Spanish mackerel, and heaps of long tail tuna. And uh, was all thanks to the radar. So the bird, uh, yeah, that bird. What do you call it? A bird. Bird radar. The bird radar? Halo that, that came good. The <laughs> Halo's got a bird radar. Good. Uh, Joe comes up with his own names for things, just so it may not be actually called bird radar. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called the Halo Dome or something. Um, but most companies have them at Link with the Sanders, so they're quite good. So you've been recording your TV show for quite a long time now. I don't know if this is actually correct, but 1997? Uh, no, we started in... Uh, 2000, the year 2000. So damn, this is season 20. <laughs> this is season 24. Wow, that's yeah, quite so, amazing. Yeah, so we're just about to start uh, filming next week. Um, yep. I'll head up to sunny Queensland. Hopefully, it's sunny <laughs> with the uh, with the seven meter surtees and and uh, yeah, we'll fish out of. Um, uh, 1770. So up there, you've yep. got this group of islands, the Bunker Group, which is about 50 k's offshore. And the species up there, you've got, you know, so many different, everything from Red Emperor and your Nanny Guy all the way through to your Cobia and your Spanish mackerel. Uh, basically, um, you know, coral trout, all that sort of, all the, all the fun stuff that you can you can catch up there on the reef. So they're yep. all in that one spot. I've got a mate with a 50-foot uh, boat who's going to cruise on up as well. So he'll act as a, a liverboard boat. 
and he'll park in Lady Musgrave. I'll have my boat as the fishing boat. So wow. oh, wow. uh, it'll be probably a week of, you know, even if the weather's not so flash up there, you can still get out because you've got probably a dozen different reef systems and islands that you can get behind and fish. So it's yep. sort of one of those places you can almost guarantee you're going to have uh, some good fishing sessions. Wow, yeah, variety that we can only dream of down here. We get, <laughs> we, we we're going to get dumb, stupid big tuna. We get, <laughs> yeah, we get our They're game fish good. season and then it's snapper. And the, and, and the huge swords that we catch too. That is a plus because yeah. that's all we've got, just big fish. Have you been on the swords, Andrew? You know what? I haven't been on the swords. So that's it. Probably going through fish species, it's one of only a handful that I haven't actually gone out there and targeted. So Yeah, you would have you would have travelled the world and caught nearly everything there I've, is to catch I've by now. I've caught nearly everything, but I've never been sword fishing. So there yeah. you go. I had uh, actually Lee Rayner call me at one stage and say, oh, you got to come down for the swords. They're going <laughs> off, you know. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, uh, yeah. but, you know, you're always so <laughs> so tied up with other, other commitments, so it's very hard to kind of get away but i'll definitely be down in the next 12 months i reckon i'll i'll have a, a good crack at a sword for sure yeah well well you, where, you probably where? need to remortgage your house and get about you know a couple hundred thousand because it <laughs> takes a long time to get one but i think the code is kind of cracked now so you probably don't have to yeah daytime swords <laughs> it sounds like you know there's there's been a few caught over the last couple of years and yeah um yeah really keen to get out with some you know, and that, that's sort of fishing, you know, you've got to go with guys who, who know their stuff and so that's what I'll probably end up doing, get out there and learn from somebody who's had a lot of experience catching swords and, you know, that's the great thing about fishing, you know, uh, there's lots of information changing hands all the time and, you know, it just, it doesn't, it's sort of never ending, you know, you're learning stuff all the time and we've been doing this show now for 24 years but every season you, you learn new stuff and, you know, from river to river or reef to reef people fish it differently for the same species which is funny enough but yeah, you, sure. you know some things work in this place and you know probably 10 k's up the road at another creek system or a river system it's completely different so i found that out over the years you've got to you know go with the guys who are local and that's where you guys have done so well it's um you know some of your stuff down here the you know we just had a guy pull up a minute ago and say oh yeah i love your stuff but it's <laughs> these guys are local you know they're, they're catching stuff here all the time so you know they're the ones who are going to give you the information. It was actually quite humbling. Like, we don't get that a lot <laughs> over a big uh, TV star like yourself. No, so. we, don't, we just have to pat ourselves on the back normally. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but it's great, you yeah. know. That's what fishing's all about, you know, sharing all the knowledge and trying to, you know, put people on the fish if you know a little bit more info than they do. Yeah, for sure. So over the years, how have you seen technology advance in fishing? And do you think it's a good thing where we're at now or did you prefer the, the good old days a little bit more? Uh, these days, you know, I guess the, you know, fishing in itself has grown enormously, especially over these last, uh, just these last few years with, with COVID, you know, like how many boats are out there for sale? Not many because they, they can't keep up. Yeah, you know, sure. it's, yeah. It's, that it's, is it's, absolutely so true. It's been the last couple of years trying to find a used boat has been near impossible. Um, so you, you're going for the new boats, which are almost the same price because the, just the influx of people trying to get into the recreational fishing game, it's insane it really is it, it's it's crazy stuff and you know we're here at the boat show today i've got the only surtees boat in the whole show that my marine actually sell them and uh and yet they don't have any stock so yeah. you know that's pretty that's crazy isn't it you're here at yeah. a boat show i've got the only surtees uh in the whole in the whole show so it's sort of um it just shows you you know the you know the amount of the amount of new fishers who are coming on board the amount of people now who are taking up fishing and boating 
um, and all the other outdoor activities we have from four-wheel driving all the way through, you know, the yep. camper, camper vans and trailers and, you know, this outdoor industry has just gone boom and it's, uh, it's, it's enlarged considerably. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, along with it, you're going to have all these tec- technology changes and, you know, um, you know, I've been working with uh, Garmin for a number of years and the last couple of years they've come out with the LiveScope uh, system. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't that oh, taken yeah. over the oh cod, my the God. God. I got a <laughs> name for that. That's just like the X-ray. Yeah. It's just like you see is the skeleton of the fish. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is, you know, like I've had some it's amazing... It's a video game. <laughs> amazing, amazing sessions. Really, it, it is a video game. The first crack I had it, it was on Lake Mawala and we are chasing big Murray cod. So With the captain. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic and uh, we are cruising along and and basically you stood there the rod out of the you know line out of the water you're yeah. just hanging on the rod watching this the screen almost like a computer game as we're going along on the electric and next minute oh look at that big fish there <laughs> big meter yeah that's the that's the cod we're after follow it for probably 50 meters and then it slows up you get your cast in watch the lure drop watch it come across the screen hop it up over the cod he turns you're watching the screen you see this fish come up and boom right at the same time you hook up yeah. it's like it's crazy my goodness it's just like one of those um, those vending machines with the giant claw that just uh, hovers over the, the goodies and then it just drops down and <laughs> picks Un- up the, unbelievable. the prize. But it works on, you know, we've that's Murray Cod. Well, we've we've done sessions on, on Big Barramundi up in the dams up north and same sort of thing. You know, you're casting out <laughs> wide until you look at your screen and you go, oh, my God, there's two big barra over the metre mark sitting underneath the boat. So yep. you crank in real quick, drop it straight down, Jig it up above his head, and next minute you're hooked up to a big barrel. Like, this <laughs> oh, yeah. is crazy. This That's is crazy insane. fishing. You, you yeah. can literally see how they're responding to the retrieves that you're doing as well. And like, the type and of you, lure that you're using as well. It may not be working, so you switch it up and go bang. So I suppose that comes around to the question, is that then cheating? Yeah, well, it's, it, it does feel like a little bit of cheating, although I was, I was then uh, fished Proserpine Dam, which is a home of Big Barra up there, and we went out to one of the snags in probably 12 metres of water, and you get this big tree under us, and oh, it's loaded up with these Big Barra, and on the, you know, on this Garmin Livescape, you're actually seeing the fish swim, and these ones were just hovering, and so I've, I've dropped the lure right down on its nose. I reckon I was hitting it, and it was getting annoyed, but it wouldn't, would not strike, Yeah, and so it just goes to show, even though, you know, no. You, you've got the gear. Um, you have to really work hard to work out what lure's working, and pretty much sometimes they just don't. Yeah, for sure. And the so, fish, yeah, not interested. Yeah, no, it definitely happens. Over your uh, long footballing career, or rugby as we call it down here. So <laughs> Rug- three- no, no, not rugby. Rugby Rugby. Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> so is, that, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, rugby league. <laughs> yeah. Rugby league. Rugby league. <laughs> the league, yeah. So did you manage to fish through that or did you find that the demands of being a professional sports person prevented you from getting out as much as you wished? You know, I sort of started my fishing when I was about oh, probably four or five years old. So yep. my grandparents had a tidal waterfront in New South Wales and a place called Empire Bay. And and uh, so I grew up, you know, every school holidays virtually, tug, you know, towing, dragging the boat out across the mud flats and hopping in there and chasing brim and whiting flathead, all those species from a very young age. And I had a whole bunch of cousins who had come up there, all boy cousins. We'd sleep in this boat shed together and every morning it was a new fishing adventure. So yep. from the age of, you know, young young kid right through all my teens, uh, fishing was sort of the thing that I, that yep. I did. Uh, rugby league, of course, was the sport that I was playing as well and um, – 
Uh, I was sort of 16 when I got asked to play, uh, to trial out for grade um, rugby league first uh, for, for the Sharks, for the Cronulla Sharks, my team up in Sydney. Crazy. And so I'd... You know, fishing was my thing, so I, I've always fished. It was yep. something that I, I'd always done. And, um, you know, in between training sessions, I was out there on the water somewhere fishing, you know. Yep. And uh, and a lot of guys go and play golf Woo! and other sports in between, but, but mine was the fishing. So I used to drag a lot of my footy mates out there as well. And, you know, as some of those guys have, have been stuck for life as well. They've hooked yeah. their first kingfish <laughs> and, you know, what it's like when you hook something like that. Yeah. You're never, ever going to go the, back to... The first to, fish uh, that pulls some strings. Exactly. I want to ask Andrew, what is actually your local home ramp um, back in New South Wales? What's your? He yeah. doesn't want to give his home address away. It's called the the Port Hacking River. I live on that river. It's a it's a river system. It's the next one down from Botany Bay, where the planes all land in, and it's uh, probably more of a commercial sort of river system and bay, Botany Bay. Um, And I'm on the next one down, which is a smaller system, but really, you know, sandy and quite a nice, uh, a nice system holds a lot of kingfish and, and, uh, and mulloway as well. So, you know, whiting, brim, flatties, all those sorts of things. But um, yeah, really nice little system that, uh, that we can go and have a have some fun in. Oh, think I've, I think I've seen you out there on the kayak catching big flathead. <laughs> yeah, and stuff. yeah, done all that sort well, of stuff down there. We've got a one, uh, a Brendan Winger. He's uh, who's been trying to crack the the flathead code at the minute. Uh, Andrew, what's your best flathead that you've caught? Best flathead. Well, I haven't cracked the meter mark, but I've probably caught maybe eight in the nineties. Oh wow! Ooh, so I've caught a lot big. of big, a lot of big fish. But not, I haven't cracked that metre mark, so I'm getting close. Uh, 96 was my last one, and that was on a, a big lure, um, big soft plastic, uh, one that I'd actually use for Murray Cod. So it was one of those really big... Uh, like a swim bait. Yeah, big swim baits, yeah. but it was... Um, it was in probably at six metres of water and just off embankment. So there was a lot of bait pushed up on this one bank, and so I just, yeah, kept peppering, peppering, and next minute, clunk. Yeah. And this big girl moved off, so pretty exciting. And if it isn't a secret, which uh, system or, or province or town? Well, that was that Camden was on the Haven. that was on the port hacking actually. Then oh, on, wow. on my own little river, yeah. Just uh, so that was pretty cool. Only a few minutes from home, but excellent, yeah, very exciting. You know, when you when you see that first big, you know, the big head shake, and it's sort of like slow motion. It's like woo woo woo. And you go, oh my god, this is big, yeah. and uh, and then you sort of go. Gosh, did I bring the net? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it came on board, no worries. I actually yeah, went right up in the shallows and um, and like to keep the fish out of the water only for, you know, the smallest amount of time. So got a few uh, a few snaps and then let let it go, which was, you know, so good seeing a swim off. Excellent. Fantastic. That's a that's a dream fish. Is that probably one of your most memorable catches or do you have one? Yeah, I th- you know, all those big flathead are all yeah. all memorable. I've been in the boat as well with others who have caught big fish. Um at the Flathead Classic up on the Gold Coast, I yep. uh, had a, uh, um, a young girl who caught a fish, I think it was 94 centimetres, which was, you know, in those tournaments where the boats are parked almost on top of each other and she's pulled up this 94 centimetre one and you go, you just shake your head, <laughs> you go, oh, my God, you know. That yeah. seems to be the common theme with uh, guests we've had on today. They often say, you know, there's guys that have spent hours and days and weeks and months and years trying to catch these fish and 
the one time angler goes down with a dirty pilchard catches the bigger the biggest fish in history yeah well it's pretty crazy <laughs> i was out at uh, nagambi the fishing tournament not this year i was there this year but the year before and uh, the guy who won the eighty thousand dollar murray cod so the biggest cod gets eighty thousand bucks oh, in Nagambi, that tournament yep. nagambi yep. and uh and he said he was sitting on this one snag pretty much all day fishing baits and uh you know he was going to move about 10 times but he just went no i'll just sit here and next minute he hooks this big monster and it ended up being an eighty thousand dollar fish. Was that the young footy? Player? No, that that was uh, last year. The yep. the young guy was throwing top water and he got a, a, a good fish and won. But um, the year before he uh, this old fella, you know, just stuck <laughs> at it, stuck at it, didn't move. He, if he'd moved, he wouldn't have won the won the dollars. You know, it wasn't on cheese, was it? <laughs> it was on. Uh, I think it was on a yabby. So yeah, he did pretty well. You know, you can get those molds where you can mold your cheese into a grub shape. Yeah. Maybe it was one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like we had a fella in earlier and he was saying that um, he'd been over at Saltwater Creek in uh, uh, South SA, Australia yeah. uh, and landed this giant mulloway on an old stinky pilchard and gone in and showed it to all the locals and they were not happy about it. So they'd all been down there with their fresh live baits for years on end and hadn't caught a fish of the same calibre. Yep, that always goes on. Sometimes you take someone fishing for the first time and, yep, they'll embarrass you pretty badly because they catch that big monster and you end up, uh, yeah, looking red in the face. Yeah, usually our wives. <laughs> <laughs> it's always females. They always yeah. smash the boys. They've got the touch, I think. I think <laughs> Absolutely. I think on, especially on, like, the whiting that we get the here. Squid, the squid, bit calamari. They've got the feel. Yeah. Like, we're too gung-ho, you know, blokes, testosterone. Yeah, no, stop pulling enough string. Who cares? Don't pick the rod up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, so uh, moving back onto the footy briefly, I know you played for the Cronulla for many, many years. It was 328 games? Yeah, right? 328 games for the Sharkies. But, um, he's done his research, i tell you what. Yeah, he's, mate. he's done well. But, uh, yeah, played uh, about 30 State of Origins and 30 tests for Australia. So that was, yeah, a long career over 18 years. A couple of years over in England, played for Leeds over there for two years. And, in the Super League? Uh, yep, in, yep, it was actually even before the Super League. It was back uh, right back in the 80s, so it was quite... Quite a, quite a long time ago. So truly, some incredible achievements there. Like, you, yeah, we, we look at your fishing. Fun. Yeah, we look at your fishing career now, but like you have to realise that you were truly an elite sports person. So yeah, and I was fortunate to sort yeah. of be able to come through in an era which probably wasn't professional rugby league at that first ten years of my career. Yeah, um, it was still guys had jobs, day jobs. You know, they were carpenters or whatever, and we trained at night. So. You know, they'd, they'd do their do their daily work and then come to training two nights a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning and, and play Sunday. And then the second half of my career was all professional. So we trained, you know, we were there at 7am in the morning right through till 5pm and we even had breakfast and lunch there and we'd train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday and play on the weekend wherever it happened to be, you know, from down in, in Vic in, in uh, the Melbourne Storm or right up in North Queensland or wherever it happened to be. Yeah. And then all the test matches and things, you know, we had big uh, big tours of England and France, three-month tours, so went on a few of those over the years. And, uh, yeah, so a lot of footy. I think in the end probably 485 first-class games all up. And That's crazy. That's an incredible achievement to be able to play that many games in professional sport. Yeah, um, no, it was, it was, you know, something that I just loved. It's a bit like yeah. the fishing, you know, same with you guys. You just love it, you know. It's <laughs> sort of – it becomes easy when you love something so much, you know. You, be, you have to put all the hard work in and you have to have some natural ability, but it's um, – 
Yeah, no, it was it was good. I got uh, inducted into the NRL Hall of Fame in two thousand and eight, so that was a pretty cool, Incredible, yeah. oh, pretty cool thing. That yeah, so that was sort of yeah, really topped off the uh, my footy career. And and the way I got into into fishing was pretty much into the television side of fishing was uh, through Rex Hunt. Really? Well, you better yabber. I, I was uh, I was telling these boys before um, you came on, Andrew. Like once Rex Hunt hung up the boots mate i absolutely adored your show like rex hunt was finished and um i remember watching you catching some fantastic fish out at lord howe island which is you know rex hunt went to lord howe and then you went and did it also yeah. did he do it better who did it better <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Rexy, Rexy, yeah, every fish was didn't matter how big it was it was a, it was a good catch for rexy oh, yeah. that's, that's the excitement that he projected in his he show, was great he was yeah. awesome and, and i was a big fan of rex's and and uh and he asked um i was still playing footy it was um towards the end of my career and and he gave me a call and said um uh, you know, would you like to come on a fishing trip with me? Um, I'm bringing um, Plugger Lockett along, so Tony Lockett yeah. and myself. We went up to the top end and we were, we had the best week. You know, it was just an insane week, and I remember just bobbing around in the pool <laughs> at the end of the uh, at the end of one of our days. And Rexy goes, "Well, ET, how do you like my office?" Yeah. And I went, "Rexy, this is gold champion. You know, like, this is yeah. what I want to do." He said, "You do it, son." So oh, awesome. So, uh, so yeah, cool. basically, um, my last year of footy. So in 2000, I was, um, I'd fly out Tuesday night, film all day Wednesday and be back for 10 a.m. training on Thursday morning. So we knocked over 22 uh, shows that year and Channel 9 bought the series. And so I was on Channel 9 at 5 o'clock <laughs> and Rex was on Channel 7 at 5 o'clock. Yes. He'd ring me up after the shows and he'd go, oh, mate, great show. Loved it, you know. <laughs> yeah. But really, there's only Channel 7, 9 and 10, the ABC back then. Yeah. Now there's a thousand stations and, you know, the world's changed. But, uh, you know, it was really – we had some, uh, yeah, some fun, you know, really good memories. How's the body holding up after such a long football career? There would, that, that trio you said before, Rex, yourself and Tony Lockett, there would have been some sore bodies amongst you guys, I reckon. Yeah, over the years. I know Rexy, uh, Rexy played a lot of footy as well, so... Uh you know, Hello, Ace Jace. It was a pretty cool, um, you know, I think he played Darren, a lot. Darren, Jace, g'day. <laughs> g'day, guys. How's he doing? Couple, yep. of, couple of local legends there. Yeah, ET. awesome. Yeah, yeah, good to see us. This guy here, if you want to, ever want to catch kingfish in Victoria, he, yeah, he's, right he's a guru. Sounds good. I'll be looking you up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think uh, Andrew might teach uh, Jay something. He's probably called more king, kingfish yeah, <laughs> in Sydney. Not, not down here, though. We struggle. It's what, really yeah. hard. No, there's the, well, it's really been that last probably, I don't know what, 10 to 15 years, the kingies have really had a, had a major impact down here. For, for, for many years up in our, you know, my system, they just thought that's the n a normal fish we chase. But, yeah. you know, I used to come down to Victoria and there was no one even talking about kingfish, no. you know, 10, 10 odd years ago. But these last 10 years, it's uh, there's been a major change. And, yeah. you know, I think um, once they banned all those traps they had all the way along the coastline that just about wiped out the whole population of kings, they were, they were virtually just a big weed mat on the top yeah. and, a, a, you know, a hole at each end and the kings just packed in there. Yeah. And um, but once they were banned, and now we got uh, good numbers of big fish coming back. Yeah, um, we're finding it, and even our systems up there this year. Probably about six weeks ago, we had a school of fish over over a metre twenty in my little river system, but wow. they were all schooled up. And so when kingies school up like that at that time of year, you know that there's a spawning occurrence happening. And um, you know, I think that's that was a great sign, and I hadn't seen that for you know. 
30 years, you know. Yeah. So it was a really good good thing that's happening. And it's great to see the Kings coming down here and, and you know, the, the people are going out catching snapper and then they're ducking out and getting change of tide, sort of good windows to be able to catch some good Kings and, you know, it's great stuff. Yeah, well, they were an enigma here for a little while there. Like I remember Absolutely. probably around 2011, I made it my mission to catch a King. I'd never caught one before, but I thought why not do it from home? I think it took me about 15 trips. Finally caught one there off Cape Shank um, yep. between Western Port and Port Phillip. And the moment that I caught that fish, it was like, oh, my God, they actually do exist. Yep. Fast forward to now, every year we have a very consistent fishery. Um, down there in Western Port last year, they were hanging off this particular marker boy um, for weeks and weeks. Inside the estuary system. Yep. All, um, f- all fish ten- Mud, pea soup, water. <laughs> yeah. All fish tend to, like... 16, 18 kilo. Yeah, like. beautiful fish. They're Re- a good fish. Yeah, really big and models. The, yeah, the current's going about 25k an hour there as well. It's insane. And they're just sitting in behind it. Yep. yep. Which we would just, just never one have li- seen. Just one little chain holding a boy up. Unbelievable. Incredible. Yep. Yeah, well, which we would never have seen in the past. Um, and I think we have seen some of those spawning events type congreg- congregations that you've talked about. Especially yep. especially off the Seal Group Islands, off, um, off uh, Wilson's Prom there. There's yep. lots of kingfish there. Yep, and in um, off uh, our East Gippsland, um, I'll have to send you a link Malacuta, later. Malacuta, yeah. Because we've got some footage of, like, the surface of the water just turned green with kingfish just everywhere. Absolutely yep. incredible to see. So. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Well, I've done a fair bit of fishing in South Oz for them as well, and over there you, you get, uh, you know... Samson's and... Yeah, but you get, that, you get massive schools of monster kings. And when I'm talking kings... You're talking 25, 30 kilo plus, you know, they're big, they're big beasts. So speaking of the blue water, ET, I wanted to ask you, now you you promote a a seasick system. Um, (laughs) I I got really seasick once. I went um, with Brendan. We travelled to the Ranfurly Banks in New Zealand. We did three-day liverboard. And um, look, I caught some fish, but between having a, a kingfish attached to myself, I was chucking my guts out. Can you tell me a little bit about your seasick system? That, it's not, um, it's not the Pahia bomb, is it? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's, you know what, the old Pahia bombs aren't too bad. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, it was something years ago that I was, um, you know, I was doing the second year in my shows, so it only just started and I'm going, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad outside, but you'd get out there, the, the weather would turn not real nice after lunch and you'd be in this horrible swell, but the fish were biting and you'd wanted to stay out there, you know. It was sort of a, a situation where you'd, oh, you know, every now and again you'd start, you know, heaving over the side and you just, once you've done it, Mm. and you get sick, you go, I don't want to do that ever again. Mm. That is a horrible experience. You're basically um, just using all your energy to survive when you get seasickness. Um, it's such a uh, vivid experience. Like, yeah, you just horrible. want it to end. I don't really get it, but I watch Joe sometimes and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look very fun. Yeah, you yeah. almost want to dive in and swim ashore, even if it's 100 k. you know. You, you just you go mental over the over the whole, you know, aspect that's never going to end and you're out here and no one's going to take you home. <laughs> it's pretty horrible. <laughs> no, I just, just keep got to keep fishing. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got some – so I ended up going into a um, – <clears throat> I went into a pharmacist and I didn't realise but it was a, uh, a compound pharmacist and what they do, they make up tablets and pills for, for people for all sorts of different illnesses um, and so I talked to the, the girl and I was saying, oh look, you know, I do this fishing show and I need, I need to get out on the water, or, you know, out to sea and do a lot of fishing and filming out there and, uh, and I said, look, you know, I've, I've, I've found something that works 
Um, can we, uh, you know, can we do something along those lines or make something similar or, you know, can we add some things? And they, she said, oh, come with me. And we went in this lift next minute we went downstairs <laughs> and there's all these, like, you know, science dudes down there all in Whoa. their white coats and the whole works. Wow. And I'm going, is oh, this, my this God. New, New South this Wales? Is, this is only five minutes from hey, my home. I never well, knew it existed, right? This is in Area 51. It's like laboratories <laughs> and all this stuff going on anyway. So I got chatting to the head, uh, head chemist down there and he said, yeah, we'll put something together, but you're going to have to be the guinea pig for a few months. <laughs> and, and, and then, folks, that's how Underbelly Sydney was created. <laughs> <laughs> the tale of two cities. Exactly. Well, well I ended up, ended up, uh, okay, cheers, brother. Thanks, and, mate. And ended up, um, yeah, so we ended up onto these, uh, onto the right concoction that actually worked. And, um, and then we, uh, you know, I used them for about six months and I was never sick again. And, and, and was this before you'd actually step on the water or is this something as you start to feel sick no, so on the boat? So an hour before I go on, on the boat, I take a seasick tablet. You know, even if it's a calm day, because you know what it's like. It's insurance. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, it can be, you know, that swell could have picked up and the wind can be blowing its bum off. You want to be out there fishing, but you're stuck. So so it's basically like sun cream. you got to apply before you go in the sun. 100%. Yep. Yep. You, you, I always uh, pop the pills. Um, they, they're a little blue pills, so, you know, <laughs> and they've got, um, it, it's just a one tablet take it an hour before and you can have up to four through the day if you really do suffer heavily from seasickness. I, I take one and, and that's it for the day. I'm just thinking more so like those liverboard trips, you know, a lot of people that do liverboard, you know, you're spending a, a, a lot of money on going away and you really want to enjoy your time away yeah. and catch fish. So Yeah, well, yeah. 1,300 seasick. So whatever those numbers are, <laughs> 1,300 and seasick on the end or you can go to... Um, uh, it's on your website, I believe. Yeah, check it out on the website. Um, you'll see the ad on the bottom of the of, of our website at escapefishingwithet.com. And, like, I've been now probably 18 years on from that. Really? And and I have never been seasick taking those pills ever. My cameraman takes them, and you can imagine him out on the water with a big camera going up and down, yeah. side to side. Um, and he's, you know, he's takes the he, – he, if if – I'm coming up to a trip and I've run out and I'm going, I'm, my heart's jumping through my chest because I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got to have these, I've, I've got to have them because it just makes such a difference. You go out there, it almost is like flat water, it doesn't matter what the swell is and you just catch whatever and you, <laughs> you know, you're living the good life. That'd be quite revolutionary for us if Joe was uh, up and about on our fishing trips because generally <laughs> he'll uh, get a bit drowsy, sleep, yep. wakes up to a real screaming. Especially at Tiagra. And he gets up straight away and gets a wine the fishing. Yeah, well, the, the, prob the problem is with a lot of the, a lot of the tablets, the, uh, you don't have anything to kind of keep you up. You know, you almost your eyes are shutting and your, your brain's still ticking, but you just, you, yeah, you've basically been bombed out by the pills that, you, that you're taking. So I can really vouch for these, these uh, seasick tablets that yeah. Nile Pharmacy do. Got, hey, got uh, another question for you, ET, with uh, blue water fishing. Mate, I've seen you've done quite a bit of... Um, big black marlin fishing in Lizard Island. I'm just thinking about now, sort of October's a big black season. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience um, with that? Yeah, I've had, I've been very fortunate. Like when I was playing rugby league, um, the, the Shimano uh, company are only down the road from where I live. 
and uh, and they were all Mad Shark supporters who was my, was my rugby league team and and so I got to meet John Dunphy who ran Shimano for many 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 years before his passing a few years ago and he became a great mate of mine and um, and so even you know for, for many years when I was playing footy at the end of end of my footy season you know Dunford be going away on a trip and I'd be tagging along and it could be to New Guinea or the Kimberley or anywhere Cape York and so every year you know my foot at the end of my footy season boom I'd be on this you know great 10-day trip to wherever I remember the first time I ever went to the Barrier Reef to the Ribbon Reefs at this time of the year um, I was up there on a had a big liverboard boat we had two game boats uh, there was a famous skipper called Brazaka who was yep. yeah Brazaka he was uh, driving one of the boats and we had another guy uh, driving the other boat and all the deckhands and um, and we had this just window of beautiful weather for like seven days up there and you know it's often unheard of you get those consecutive days that actually work really well and we were fishing um, and to me it was learning a hell of a lot about fishing you know I hadn't done a lot of uh, that sort of big marlin uh, fishing before and it was just an eye-opener for me seeing these huge fish come in and smash our baits now the baits were like mackerel and they were probably <laughs> three three feet long four foot long massive big you know like 10 kilo yellowfin tuna a bit towed behind a big 20 hour oh, hook my type you know of like oh you have, my you god have, you have fun catching the bait 100 percent. you go out catching the bait you're you're, you're over the moon you know? <laughs> but uh you yeah, know it's it's pretty special stuff and i've been fortunate to be uh you know I've, I've caught a number of big fish over the years which has been great probably one of my my favorite memories though we we did it in a trailer boat yes yeah, so you, you took the surtees up to the ribbon well, race, it, wasn't, right? it wasn't a surtees but we took this we took a seven meter boat up there <laughs> <laughs> and uh and um joe you're trying to lose his sponsorship here yeah we got it <laughs> but we had a, a liverboard boat with us which was fantastic it was actually a guy called um tony spateri now, do you, yeah, have you heard, heard of Tony? Of that name Tony, before, yeah. Tony uh, runs charters out of here and two up, two up fishing charters. He doesn't do it much anymore, I don't think. But he's uh, he's got his his uh, son and daughter who are great fishers as well. I think he builds boats. Um, he's, um, he's he's yeah. he's a very talented man. But um, I actually fished with him earlier this year, and we went out on some snapper out here with uh, some prize winners, and they caught a bunch of fish. Hey, so it was pretty cool. But Tony was uh, he was um, skipper of a boat that uh, was going out to chase big marlin he had a group of probably about six or might have been six or seven uh melbourne um anglers oh, who came along it. for the trip and they headed north to this jewel reef where we wanted to fish and so they were sort of chaperoning us all the way which was absolutely amazing yeah. it was a it was it was so good to have this big liverboard boat there, be able to fish on on my boat, the seven metre boat. I had it all decked out, had a full game chair put in. Um, we were using the real big gear, so all the the big Tiagras and uh, um, you know basically towing massive baits. Uh, the first fish that we got to the boat. And this is, we'd go off in one direction and they'd go off in another direction and we'd just meet up basically in, at dinner time, you know, and uh, we'd come back um, and join up with them. And we all, we all stayed on that bigger boat too. It was like about a 60-footer, beautiful boat. Nice. Anyway, so we've hooked the first fish and it was about a, probably around the, the 100 kilo mark. I was sort <laughs> of going, wow, like this is, a, this is a pretty cool fish, but it's not the big one we're after, you know. And he had eaten this massive big bait. Couldn't believe it. You yeah. know, what the hell are they eating? You know, like anyway, um, I hooked it. So the next day I hooked another one about 100 kilo again and they were like these, these male 
male uh, marlin and the little ones, the little fellas. And then oh, the third day, we've we've come on in, and, and one of the big uh, the big tuna we we'd, we'd had on, and we were skipping it across the surface, got demolished by this fish. And I'm looking at it, and I'm just seeing this little tip of a bill, and I'm going, oh, it looks like another male, because I'm doing a show up there, you know. And next minute, these things come out of the water, and it's just slow motion, and these big girls come out, and it was easy 800 oh, up to that oh thousand pound mark and it's just come out and i'm just going, oh my god this is the one and so we had an absolute um battle on our hands then in a small trailer boat it was the winds were blowing probably good 30 plus knots oh, wow. so it was howling the sea was up and we had waves coming over the top it took us three k's from where we hooked the thing and uh, got it to the boat in about 45 minutes that's pretty good going but i don't think she even she didn't even know where that we hooked <laughs> She came up to look she at came, you. Yeah, she came up, had yeah. a bit of a look, but when, you know, we took Medecki, took the wraps on her, and next minute he's got his hand stuck, and he's nearly going over the back of the boat with his big girl just porpoising out the back. <laughs> Good grief. It was, um, it was made an incredible footage, and yeah. uh, we ended up, another 40 minutes later, we got her to the boat again, and we ended up breaking and cutting her off right yeah. there at the boat. So yeah. that was, you should have seen this fish. It was a monster. Out of a trailer boat, too. Out what? of a trailer boat. Wait, no. Well, well I think I'm going to do it in a 420 Renegade next year. Good luck. No, no stuff <laughs> Now, we've got a six-metre boat. We're actually going to do it one day. Yeah, absolutely. We, you should have a crack, boys, yeah. I tell you. It's pretty special. Did you take the – did you drive up or did you send it up on the train? No, I, I, I drove up, so I uh, took it up. It was a long trip. It took three days to get there. So it's a long way, that, Queens, that yeah. Queensland border. She, once you hit her, that's only day one. Yeah. Then you've got to go, yeah, virtually get up to the, the Whit Sundays and then the Whit Sundays, then up to – to um, <laughs> Cairns, but we went higher than Cairns, went right up to Cooktown, and that's yep. where we put in there, headed out to the reef systems there, tons of fish out there as far as everything from Red Emperor to all your, you know, your, your red bass and all that sort of stuff. But we, we fished for all of our um, bait, the mackerels, and, um, uh, yeah, we caught a whole pile of those, so we had them on ice and had a mate with me who rigged them all up brilliantly, who'd been over in Papua New Guinea fishing yep. on a game boat and, and learn all how to rig up. So he was... Uh, and I had my mate Robbie McCulloch, who again passed away, another another mate who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he was a great skipper, so I had him in the him him driving. I was fishing, and we didn't have anybody to actually. Um, we had the cameraman, and we had the uh, the basically the deckhand, but him ho holding onto that big fish. There was no way we had anybody to actually tag the fish. We had the tag <laughs> in the, and we're going, oh my god, there's nobody. You know, it was that when you got a fish that big in a little boat. And it's sort of almost as long as the boat. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was. It's it's a scary situation, but uh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was a very a great memory. And then, how much time did Hang you have on, to Joe, allow? Joe, for that? sorry, we wanted to change tack a little bit now. I'm afraid. Of course, that's <laughs> yeah. all right. We, we have a question for we have we have a question. Uh, Et, I don't know if you know this, but Joe he is was, actually he's a, a reality TV he's, tragic. He's a reality TV star, and, and he and he got uh, booted off after the first date. <laughs> so Joe was on reality TV. He was on a show called uh, Dating in the Dark. Dating um, in the Dark. Okay. So Is that where you got to like, feel your way? That, that's it. It was, um, it was on Fo Foxtel <laughs> at the time. He, he felt his way all right. <laughs> <laughs> so they go in a dark room and they got to, um, they, they can't see each other. They got to uh, work out if they like each other. Uh, Wait, I can do it. Three guys and three girls <laughs> live in this beachside mansion and the only interaction they have with each other is in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, 
I'll tell you reason, what, for a lot of guys, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Joe enjoyed it. So the reason I bring that up is I think you had a reality TV experience not too long ago. Yeah, no, uh, I was very fortunate to get um, yeah get asked if to come on Survivor. Yeah, which yep. was just mind blowing, you know. And uh, you, you watch it on television and you think, oh, it's all pretty easy, you know. But when you're actually there, you're eating the rice for so many days that you start to get pretty weak. You're stripping weight like no tomorrow, and yeah. uh, and then you've got these challenges that you you have to go pretty hard, and, and and to win you actually really have to go hard, and then you've actually got to start stabbing people in the back <laughs> and doing all that stuff. Well, I never quite got to that stage, but uh, you know it was certainly a great experience. So is it as as it looks on TV, or do you go back to a hotel every night? <laughs> yeah, well, God, I wish we did, but no, you, uh, you it's you know when it rains you get wet. Yeah, right. And um, you know I remember you think you're in. Fiji but it was freezing cold so you're laying there in your shorts we had no you know only one lot of clothing that you could take and you're just shivering you're just shaking all morning until the sun comes up you know it's yep. pretty crazy and then they uh, and then they basically the the you know the producers will will, will say okay we've got a uh, a challenge on today and from now on, there's no more talking. So you can't talk and communicate with anybody there. It's pretty crazy stuff. And then, uh, and then basically, if you do talk to anybody, they scream the house down at you. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Like you feel like a kindergarten kid. So, you know, they really are strict on all that stuff. No communication. You go into a van. Um, after <laughs> uh, you walk, you walk along, you walk along the uh, beach, and then you hop off and you go into a van because you, you know you're a long way from where the actual uh, events are happening, all the challenges, and they blindfold you in the van. So you're blindfolded all the way to wherever you're going. You get out, you're blindfolded, walk up to this tent, you sit there for another hour, um, contemplating what the hell this is going to be, and then you virtually walk into the challenge get five minutes to check out what the hell you're doing and you're away and you're going hard. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, yeah, it's very daunting the whole way through. So do you actually know where you were, like, put, put on the island? Like, do you know which island it was? Or? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they've, they, they use a number of different islands, but, uh, yeah, you fly in, so you do all that. But you do that with a chaperone as well. You're not allowed to talk to anybody um, from Australia all the way to Fiji and all the way from the transport all the way to to the showground. So, oh, you legit, know, it yeah. is legit all the way right through. And um, I, I actually stayed there when they were filming it. It was on Savu Savu. At yeah, Savu stage. Savu. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's where you were? Yep. I might have bumped into you at the buffet. May have. <laughs> this this was two have. years ago, wasn't it? Uh, about well, maybe three years ago. Mm, I, I think I missed you by a year. Yeah, you might have missed me, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible experience. It was fantastic just to to be involved in it all, and uh, you know I was very fortunate. I was with a bunch of um, bunch of other athletes, and you know it sort of worked good and bad in that as well. We were trying to stick together as an athlete athletic team, and uh, you know it, it just didn't quite fire and work. But um, you had a lot of fun. Now, what were your duties on the island? You weren't the fisherman, were you? Well. <laughs> Unfortunately, there wasn't much of that happening. We <laughs> didn't have any fishing lines for a fair, fair bit of it. And then when they gave you the lines, there was no bait or anything. So you had to go and <laughs> had, you had no knives or any. You know, you basically, it's, it's a very different make experience. Your own fires. Make well, your own you hook. To, you have to make your own fires even, you know. And, and, and as you say, you have to do all of those things 
and if that fire goes out, I tell you what, it's a nightmare because you have to re-kick it and start oh. it all again. And it's your only warmth around the place and you'll dry your clothes out next to it. And when it rains there and the mozzies are going berserk oh. all over you and you're shaking and shivering, uh, it's not a fun place. <laughs> oh, yeah, my wife's just commented on the feed and apparently it was that year. And quite remarkably, I was undergoing some challenges as well because I didn't take any fishing gear. Well, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so I had to borrow a hand line and uh, got my silver foiled coffee packet and made a fly <laughs> on the hook and borrowed a kayak and I went out there. And, and how'd you go, Davey? You mate, I caught, caught a couple of little reef fish and um, there was no fire to cook them on there. Unfortunately, <laughs> the resort didn't want me lighting fires, but very well, similar experiences. Well, our biggest <laughs> fish was probably about uh, four or five inches long. That was yeah. the biggest one. And, you know, we uh, we really struggled trying to catch them. And I guess the other thing is you don't get the time what you think you're going to get. You think, oh, yeah, I've got the whole morning, but no, next minute at nine o'clock you've got a challenge on. That that <laughs> takes you through till one thirty, two o'clock in the day, you know, so yeah, as, uh, yeah you, you, you just don't get the time to do what you think you're going to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, a lot of people would have been impressed with four or five inches. Well, that's, <laughs> uh, that's true, but I tell you what, uh, nobody liked biting it. <laughs> there you go, Joe, there's some uh, good good info for you. We were thinking about getting Joe back into the reality TV scene with another dating show, but I think maybe Survivor could be your gig. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, losing weight sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and you lose it quick, let me tell you. That's, yeah. that's what he got out of his whole survival story, <laughs> losing weight. Yeah. I met some good people. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, ET. Uh, we don't want to keep you too much longer. We, you were very generous with your time and we thank you very much. Um, we'd love to catch up with you again at some stage and maybe, maybe take you fishing out our way. That'd be great. Um, we've got a mate with a big 60-foot Maritimo on the sword yeah. grounds. Absolutely. So maybe we could take you out for that swordfish in comfort. Well, that sort of thing would be pretty wicked, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess with the television shows, you know, we're, we're virtually funded through our sponsors and, yeah. you know, we're very fortunate to have some great companies on board and with us, Surtees is on, on, the, on board, so it's sort of a, you know, pretty much all my fishing has to be done on a Surtees boat, but yeah. then when you talk of game boats and boats that are bigger, I can go on any of those. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have, uh, have, have got access to something like that, I'd, I'd love to give it a crack. We've got a few mates with a couple of big boats, so yeah. see, we, see what we can do, Davey. We haven't had the big boat experience out there ourselves. Like, we've been out in 17-footers and stuff, but it does <laughs> sound quite tempting. I think we could swing it for you. Yeah, it sounds good, boys. Awesome. What That's... have you got on for the rest of the weekend, just to wrap up? Uh, yeah, here pretty much. I'm, yep. I'm loving this weather. It, oh, uh, the rain hasn't come down yet, which is great. So we've had a couple of nice days. There's lots of people wandering through. Been great to chat and just, just catch up with uh, just the, the, you know, the people who love their fishing and, yeah. uh, and love their boating. So it's been a really good one. And I'll be here till Sunday before. For, uh, checking out and then uh, next week kicking off the, the new series, Series 24. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, best, best wishes with the new series too. Yeah, cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Keep an eye out for that one, everyone, coming to the screen near you and come down and see us and Andrew at the Boat Show. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. You all right? Champion. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate that. Yeah, cool. No worries. That was